When Instagram was purchased by Facebook in 2012 for $1 billion, the world's collective jaw dropped to the floor. They couldn't imagine that a company with only 13 employees that was a picture-sharing app could be that valuable. Fast forward 10 years, and Instagram is, for many in the 18 to 45-year-old set, the undisputed champion of social media apps with people daily posting millions and millions of pictures carefully curated of their lives, their uh, companies, their products, etc. So Instagram, does it have a place in business today? What's the future hold for our favorite photo sharing app? Here to talk about that is Abby Fink, Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations. Abby, what's on your mind? Well, man, if I did know what the future hold, we could be we could be buying apps and sharing content on our own platforms. But uh, yeah, Instagram, you know, that's one of those that uh, it's it's taken me a bit to to feel comfortable with it. I, I as as in why am I bothering to share these pictures here when I've shared them on Facebook or put them in the Twitter feed? But as I look at it a little bit more, it's really, you know, it, it is a very visual medium. And if you are a business with a a visual presence, then that and you're trying to attract, you know, that elusive 18 to 34, 18 to 40 group, I'm thinking that's the place you need to be. And, you know, there's really this, you know, the, the in my view, the term influencer really is a result of, you know, what happened and is continuing to happen in that Instagram space. At some fundamental level, what Instagram in its original DNA understood uh, that not everyone understands, we've talked about it before on this podcast, was the power of the image and giving people an app with simple editing tools filters, adjustments, things that you can do to, in its initial idea anyway, capture beautiful moments and not have a lot of words, not have a, certainly not a lot of links and other kinds of things. It entered the landscape as a unique contribution. Now, so many other apps have emerged that also have a primarily visual component. Video has been added, shorts, lives, uh, you know, the stories, the reels. I mean, it, the product has evolved in so many different ways. But at its core, the idea that you can capture moments and curate moments from your life and your world in a visual format really was a game changer. And for many, many people, although it has its downsides, we should talk about those, for many, many people continues to be a creative self-expression today. Right. And, and, and it's in, in, inherent in its name. It's instant, right? It, it was, it is an automatic upload with a handful of easy to use filters and you've got yourself a, you know, a well-placed photo. You know, I can think back, I, I was still perplexed when you said it started in 2012 or that Facebook bought it in 2012. I feel like it's just sort of entered the the world, but I can think back a, a handful of years at some of our um, you know, restaurant openings, hotel openings, where very specific opportunities were created for Instagram. The the photo op 
was intended to be used on Instagram. It was framed appropriately. It was going to work, you know, in that more square, you know, visual that Instagram cram creates. And we've been actually, you know, oh, ever since it's been, you know, what's going to be our Instagram photo at that event? What's going to be the hashtag that we're going to use and ask the influencers that are going to attend to talk about it. And so it really has become maybe more so than any of the other channels, a part of the discussion when you're organizing things. Now, we've talked about many times about strategy and thinking about social media as a strategy, but to purposely say, this is our Instagram background, or this is our Instagram filter is different than any of the other things that we've you know, that we have at our disposal when it comes to the social media platforms. One of the things that I think Instagram really brought to the table was putting the creator in the center. If you think about earlier social media platforms, yes, there was music sharing on MySpace. And yes, you could write posts and, and upload pictures and things on Facebook, early Facebook. But it was really more of a, let me share with you some things I've found in the world, you know, share links to articles, share, you know, connections to other things. And those platforms have struggled to try to keep people on the platform creating as opposed to going other places. Instagram started with this idea that you can make something in the app and share it from the app. And then you can engage with the things other people make. And again, we need to talk about the, the dark side of this. We, we will do that. But that simple creative uh, power that was really democratized. I mean, as smartphone cameras became better and better and better, as selfies became more and more a form of uh, revealing aspects, <laughs> carefully selected lighting angles, aspects of oneself to the world, Instagram was right there with tools to share those images. And we know that images are powerful. Images are compelling. And this is the, still to this day, I think the place where that, uh, where, where the making and sharing of images is most potent. And capitalizing on our in the moment opportunities. You know, the, you know if, if the others are a more planned activity, and we get the photos and then we come back and we Photoshop and we clean them up and we edit and we do all those things and we write our content and hopefully check for spelling and grammar and other things before we share it in a, in a business environment predominantly. Um, Instagram is in the now. It's it's right at that moment. And and the in my thinking, those that engage in it as in content providers, creators, and those that look at it are a bit more forgiving about what's there, you know, because of the instant nature of it. Um, I was reading some, you know, getting prepared for this conversation today and was, you know, looking at how it's evolved in terms of what we thought strategy was around engagement and using hashtags. And should we use hashtags? What hashtags should we use? And then the thought was maybe the hashtags aren't really what is driving the engagement. It's that visual component. If the photo is intriguing or the the content that's written underneath it is intriguing, that's becoming a bit more, maybe a bit more important. Now, you know, where I'm seeing a lot of use for some of our, um, in particular, some of our nonprofit clients is using it to curate content 
that they would like to share and that they find interesting and offers a different viewpoint on a topic. And, and they're using the hashtag to seek out that, you know, that particular um, line of uh, content that's available. But I'm wondering if, you know, at, if at, you know, of all the new ones, if we want to put this in the new category, it's really lasted, I think, a lot longer than some others might have thought. You know, I, I asked before we went on the air, does anybody use Pinterest anymore? And that was not all unlike, you know, the the idea of Instagram. It's a very visual. You had things you posted on your board, you know, in that scrapbook, scrapbook kind of feel. But are we still using that the same way? And I, and I always felt that that Pinterest was something that was really meant for a visual business that anyone that was creating something that that was had a visual component that was a good place to be well i feel like that's that's still there and we're still using it 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 may have evolved into a little bit more personal use than professional use but instagram really is is stood the test of time it's really hung on a lot longer than i think i would have anticipated maybe in part because of the machine that is facebook that's driving a lot of it it now offers a lot of the same uh, business elements, sponsored content and and other things. So the business world has definitely been uh, looking at it and adopting it more from a strategy perspective. And it's forcing all of us that are thinking about it from a marketing strategy to think visually if we have something relevant to put on there. And if not, how are we creating that? And what it's also done, I think, is is opened up some opportunities for other uh, ways to create visual content, right? We're all becoming our own um, graphic designers and we're all using different platforms and services that are available to help us make our our visual elements for what we're posting on there. So it really has, you know, I, I'm, I will admit that as a, as a consumer of it, I am still, um, it's still maybe third or fourth in my, oh, I need to post something category. But from a business perspective, um, it's neck and neck with with, you know, Facebook when it comes to, you know, posting content for the businesses that we work with. For sure. And I, I think this is also something that shows the limits of our personal habits, because we you and I, Abby and Adrian, are not a, a good reflection of the the complete user base of the platform. I mean, Instagram, I was relatively late to as bullish as I have been on other social media platforms. Uh, Instagram is the one that I didn't even get to in time to get my own name as the handle. I have to have an underscore in the middle, uh, which bugs me to this day. There's there's a guy in Australia with like 14 followers who has my name <laughs> there. But it's for some folks, it is still the undisputed queen of the business uh you know, world. And the integration with Facebook's ad product has given tremendous reach to micro audiences, something that we've talked about as being very, very important in terms of creative ad targeting. And I think something you mentioned earlier, we really should pull out and and focus on, which is Instagram created really two, I mean, there were many, but let's just talk about at least these two unique and powerful positions. So one is the influencer, the person who creates a following through her, often her, also his content. And these folks then are able to approach brands with a unique proposition. I have an audience that loves everything I post. You have sneakers or tea or whatever, um, 
you know, beard oil, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and brand deals began to emerge and the influencer marketing space was born. We saw that with blogging, but not quite to the same extent as a direct relationship between, you know, the blogging world was much more driven by affiliate commissions and uh, AdSense clicks. Whereas this is more companies now have influencer departments that are responsible for their outreach and you know maintenance of their influencer program. Okay, so influencers. The other side of it, though, is that user-generated content, recognizing that people are wanting to post things on Instagram. You know, you mentioned the nonprofit or the corporation who will create an Instagrammable scene at a live in-person event or a store. You know, there's that store in Los Angeles, for example, that has half of a private jet inside the store where you can Instagram, you can take pictures and post them on Instagram from that location looking like you're inside a private jet. Well, it's a retail boutique, but they set up, you know, the set, if you will, for that. So recognizing the power of user-generated content around your brand, and then also the power of influencers to create partnerships with your brand, still, despite all the ups and downs and ins and outs and new features, copied, borrowed, stolen, whatever, this still is a viable way to drive awareness of your product, your cause, what have you. Well, and, and what it does is in that, you know, playing off that influencer discussion a little bit, you know, one of the things that we we always talk about in these discussions is about, you know, who are you trying to reach and with what content do you want to reach them? And an influencer, by how whatever definition they have determined it, they are an influence about, allows you to target so specifically what you're talking about. And, and again, it's not about the numbers so much, right? I mean, if if you know if I've got 500 followers on my Instagram account, and those 500 people are you know men growing beards that are looking for new beard oil, then that's 100% the group I want to be talking to. And as the individual with those 500 followers, you are a valuable asset and you, you know, you negotiate and and these are contractual agreements. They come with, you know, an an expectation of what you will do and when you will do it and how long you will do it. We will compensate you accordingly. They obviously have to, you know, feel like they can endorse the product. So there's, there's some of that um, that goes on in there as well. But, you know, if you're trying to reach you know, men that use beard oil and, and you're going to put an ad on television. Well, we already know 50% of the population isn't going to care. And of the remaining 50%, maybe another 5% is actually who you're trying to target. And of that 5%, 99% of them are going to skip the commercial. Altogether. So here we have this opportunity to do it. And, and you know, this whole idea of, of meeting me where I'm at, if I'm, if I, if, uh, if I have these influencers and you want those people, then you need to be talking to them where they are and where they are then is scrolling through and finding this this content. And it's really become, it's been professionalized over the last handful of years, you know, that that and the expectations that come from that and the responsibility that those influencers assume when they do, because that's their brand and their equity is what they can bring to the table, but they have a responsibility to their followers as well and to feel comfortable and confident in the, in the, in the endorsement, if that's what the, what the, what the value is and what they're bringing. And so, you know, these contracts can be pages long. I mean, they're, they're no different than a, 
you know, what we might have called a celebrity endorsement at some time and and thinking about the the direct link between those individuals and the people you're trying to reach. It's a pretty powerful tool if you're trying, you know, to be that targeted, then a different than what we've had before. Also, I think we have to acknowledge and it is there's growing conversation around this that the drive for followers in order to be the kind of person who could have that business model has also brought with it some negative consequences, not only on Instagram, of course, but in many places. The research is very clear that uh, for many people, especially younger folks, this has had a detrimental effect on their mental health. There have been university-based research studies documenting the rise in eating disorders among young women linking directly to Instagram because the perception of reality and reality are, as we all know, with a few more years under our belt, not the same thing. And the the highly selective nature of what is being shown has also led to a, a toxic positivity is the new buzzword to talk about the fact that everyone is happy and amazing and life is wonderful and we're just one more sunrise away from the perfect day. And of course, the reality is life is messy and complex and lots of bad things happen, including to good people. And there's a lot of struggle in the world, both at a macro and a micro scale. So whether it's you know, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, uh, harassment, et cetera. They're real problems that we have to deal with. I personally don't think demonizing the technology itself is the way to go here. I often hear people saying, what we need to do is get rid of social media. We need to, nah, I don't know. We had these problems before. This exposes something in the way we as humans need to do better. Uh, just getting rid of the phone or the app is not the be-all, end-all solution here. We need to find out what's underneath all of that. But we're not here to be your therapist. We're here to be your marketing and PR strategist. And from that perspective, I think having a healthy appreciation for what a campaign can do on these platforms, coupled with uh, a, a real respect for the power of words and images, as you would in any thoughtful campaign, doesn't mean any of this needs to stop you from doing something. It just means you need to be thoughtful about it. Right. Well, and and you know that the is some of you may remember the um, the the partnership for drug free America and their this is your brain this is your brain on drugs and their whole philosophy it was it was an advertising philosophy which said if we could sell you a product we could unsell you a product. And I, back to your point here about the sort of the mental health component of what we're talking about. But I think what we can do here is really talk about how any one of these platforms and maybe Instagram in particular because of the target to the younger demographic has a pretty amazing opportunity to address those types of mental health issues and concerns that are out in the community and can do so with influencers or others that have a different sense of self-esteem and and body image and puts forth the type of information that might alter the way people are thinking and the way that people are addressing certain things. So I don't think, you know, the the we as marketers should ignore the difficulty that's there. But I do think we have um, just as much of an opportunity to use these platforms for good and for changing and advocating and influencing, to use that word, 
um, a different kind of outcome and, and a change in behavior, much the same way as those early, you know, advertising strategies were trying to do when it was, uh, you know, addressing the, the drug issues in our communities. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually think that the awareness that is starting to emerge about the power of these channels is leading to some brave and courageous folks being more open, using their leverage, using their influence to be more real and authentic. I mean, we have seen this, whether it's Charlie D'Amelio on TikTok or, you know, you were telling me earlier about the 90-something-year-old Holocaust-surviving grandma on on TikTok. So we can talk about hard things. We can talk about important topics. We can share ourselves, our work, and the reality of it. I think the thing that needs to fade is the idea that we can only show the perfect. And when we do that, we'll all be living better lives because we'll be more connected with each other. I mean, everyone's going through something and pretending we're not hasn't served us. We sh- we ought to have figured this out by now, but it's a lesson we still are learning slowly as a species. Uh, and yes, the reach and the power of these platforms does give us as much of a chance to share positive, helpful, thoughtful messages uh, that can help us grow in our own humanity, not just sell more sneakers or wine or whatever. Right. So we've spent the last, um, you know, four episodes really addressing, you know, the platforms in particular. We talked about LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, and today we're talking about Instagram. And and I think the common theme amongst all of them is is as a strategy as or as a tool within a strategy, you know, there is responsibility that's involved with it, and that we all need to look at these things and and what messaging are we putting forth and how are we using it to you know enhance our business and to enhance the you know the marketplace that we're putting it in, and they all come with a lot of positives and they all come with a lot of Um, things to be concerned about and how we manage that and how we do that from a business perspective is is critically important because we we know what can happen when we don't and so you know to kind of wrap up that that series if you will of things that we've been talking about you know for me the and you you mentioned it you know that there's there's nothing wrong with any one of these platforms as a platform what we do and the responsibility we take when we interact with them and the, and we use them to our um, business's benefit is all on us. And we have to assume that responsibility and, and do it and manage it correctly and, and think about it the right way. And recognizing that there is somebody on the other end of those messages that is, you know, going to see it and react to it and respond to it, hopefully in the way that we've intended it to be and what our responsibility is when we do that. And we're going to have a, a guest speaker on with us in a couple of weeks that's going to really talk about, an, you know, your online reputation and how you manage that and what it what it means to be a responsible user of the platforms, but also a responsible content creator when you're using them. So I think it's been a real interesting look at how these things can be used for our businesses, our nonprofits, uh, our, you know, the, the public sector, and um, they're not going away. Uh, uh, These four, at least, I think, are here for the for the long haul. We are going to see others that are going to come and go. But whatever the platform is, there is opportunity. And with opportunity comes responsibility. 